You know what the most dangerous thing in America is, right? Nigga with a library card. <laughs> This is the most dangerous thing in America podcast, a show in which we read books by black authors, and they're talked about by a black author, and you can listen if you are black or not black, that is okay. This week on the podcast, we're literally reading books by black authors. Like, well, no, I messed that up. We're reading a book by black authors. God damn it. Uh, Well, at any rate, it's an anthology. That's what I mean. What I'm saying is that it's a book with many authors, all right? That's what I'm talking about. Name of the book is Cyberfunk. With a whole ton of authors, not going to read all of their names. There's literally like 15. But it is a sci-fi anthology about Afrofuturism, African futurism. Um, I don't really remember the difference what um, Nindio Rokafor says. But there's apparently a difference. But this has got all of it. Okay, this has all of it. And how did I come to this book? It was on Amazon. I was looking for something. I don't know. And uh, Kendall said, do you want this? And I said, oh, is it another book? I do have to say I'm really tired of all of the book jokes online where people are like, you know, do I need any more books? Oh, I bought 50. Just just buy the book. Okay, we get it. Everybody who buys books buys too many books. We got it. Just buy the book. And it's we're good with the book jokes. Okay. Or at least I am. Anyway. I bought the book. It's like five bucks on Amazon Kindle. I highly recommend it. I had a good time with it. And um, it was part of the book, right? Read Harder Challenge. That's, you know, one of the reasons why I bought it too. Like I, I knew that I needed to read it, but also it looked cool. And it had a cool cover image of like a cyborg. So yeah, cool cover, cool idea. I was thinking like, as I was looking at the book, I was like, well, I mean, I already read Black Sci-Fi. For instance, Octavia Butler and Samuel Delaney and um, Octavia Butler. And I was like, okay, you know what? There we go. So the fact that you can only name two writers, and I don't actually think I've read a full Samuel Delaney book, that's a bad sign, okay? So, uh, especially for a person who likes sci-fi. So, yeah, I picked this up. Shout out to all of the writers in the anthology. I'm only going to talk about the writers whose stories I particularly liked. And so my metric for particularly liking the stories was I highlighted the story like some word or thing in it. And then I went back through and I had six stories. And how many are actually in this thing? I can't even, I don't even remember. There are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 12, 14, 16, 18, 19 stories. So 33% of these, I was like, okay, I need to talk about them. And um, I don't know, that's a pretty good percentage to me. So let's hop in and talk about the ones I liked and the ones I didn't like. I'm just going to just gonna ignore them. And doesn't mean they're bad. They're just not my favorite stories. So anyway, uh, let's be positive. First story, and it's the first story in the collection, A Sunken Memory by Donovan Hall. I don't want to give anything away, so gonna be careful here but i really liked this story to kick off the anthology like i thought it was kind of perfect because some of the stories after this i would say the couple after this they weren't you know i I think the next story i liked was like four or five stories after this or maybe three or four stories after this so like this one really did a good job it's kind of like when you listen to an album you know you want that first song doesn't have to be the best song on the album but it needs to get you into it but actually i thought this was one of the best 
stories in the book. And so basically there's like this cyborg human guy. Like he was a human, but he's been replaced by cyborg parts and he's got memory issues. Like, because each time he goes out and does stuff, um, if he pushes himself too far or gets like hurt in some way and like powers down, when they juice him back up, he loses part of his memory. So that's like the device in this story where he's out looking for something. He's looking for humans who have survived whatever destroyed the world. I can't remember. And, um, and so, yeah, that's the thing you're thinking is like, man, is he going to, is he going to like lose the few memories he has left, which are the few things that keep him human. So that was really good. I really liked that device. And then I just like the themes. There's a good theme of sacrifice and he's also communicating with the ship and, um, I really love, and this is really just a me thing. I really enjoy communications with inanimate objects. Not in my regular life. I don't, I literally don't do that. I don't even like talk to my cat who I really like, uh, who's named Marlo after the detective. But, um, in general, I don't like talk to my cat really. Like I, I talk to my cat like a cat. We keep it very human cat, you know, be like, Hey, hello, good morning. I think that's how you're supposed to talk to a cat. But I don't do any of that, like, translating when the cat meows. I'm not like, oh, the cat's saying this. Anyway, uh, back to the story. Donovan Hall, he wrote his, you know, protagonist as talking to a ship. And it feels like they had, like, you know, a real relationship. And I like that. Because in a story where there's essentially one character, uh, it helps to have something to balance off of. And so it was the ship. And so, anyway... Really like that. Good story. And I like the ending. I'm not going to give anything away, but I really enjoyed the ending. Thought it was great. On to the next one. Flesh of My Flesh by John Jennings. This was a cinch for me to like. First of all, it's basically a detective story. Uh, secondly, there's bourbon referenced. And thirdly, there's the church involved. So it's got a little like, it's like, you know, it's got that Mosleyan uh, thing, Chester Heimsian thing where it's like, this is a black detective story in the black community involving things that are very much like black, you know? And um, so, for instance, the black church, that's very much black. So, uh, well, I'll get to that point in just a second. Let me back up and just say, so I, I love a good detective story. And this thing is like Blade Runnery. It's Mosleyan. It's got the sci-fi and, sci and noir thing going on. Should we just call that sci-fi? Is that, no, let's no, skip over that. But yeah, it's got the sci-fi and noir thing going on. So you get the detective part, you get the sci-fi part, and uh, and yeah, it's set in the black community, and there's church involved. So I like that too. Also, shout out to my man S.A. Cosby, who uh, also you know always involves the church in his books as well. And we, so we get the we get the like country noir with so anything with noir plus the black community specifically, like the church, and then plus if you add in this story by John Jennings another. Um, aspect, which is the sci-fi aspect. Now you're really talking. So yeah, really liked that. And so this, this, um, this story involves a detective who's hired. He's scarred by whatever wars led to the world being destroyed, which, you know, this theme that comes up a lot here. Um, but so he, uh, he's hired by the reverend's family because his daughter has like a clone that's stripping. Um, and so this is a disgrace for the family. How could the reverend's daughter, how could somebody have like cloned her and is now using that clone to, um, shame the family. So he's on the case for that. That's the basic story. Very good. And then, uh, Kudzu, uh, who is, 
the detective, well, the detective, and there's a psych, I can't remember which is which, but it's got to be the detective. Anyway, he has his own drink, which is wild turkey. And every detective needs their own drink. And I absolutely love when a, the, that drink is bourbon. I will say wild turkey is probably the world's worst bourbon. Uh, I'm a Jim Beam man myself. And I really don't think you can beat Jim Beam for affordability and taste. And I'll, and I will stack Jim Beam up against like most scotch. Like unless you're going to pay $60 minimum, uh, you shouldn't drink scotch, but with Jim Beam, you can, you know, and with any, with bourbon in general, you, you can pay under $20 and have a fine bottle of bourbon. It won't be like, it's not a great bottle of bourbon or something, but I'm saying it's drinkable. If you're paying under 60 bucks for scotch, you might as well not drink that. You should just go drink bourbon. It's better. So the only caveat there would be, except for wild turkey. <laughs> Don't drink wild turkey under any circumstance. But I appreciate the detective who does. Tells me he's what kind of man he is. A real wild man. Lived through wars that ended humanity. So there you go. And, okay, the last thing about this is that I really enjoy uh, books that... Um, or what, what I really enjoyed about this book was that, you know, I wanted to see if I could, like, pick where people were from in the diaspora. And there was a line in the story, and this is the line. He was sweating like a dinner pig in August. Okay, well, that's pretty easy. This guy's American. And it turns out he's a professor at uh, UCR, so not too far away from where I grew up. And, um, yeah, so that was cool. And, and where I'm going to school now, so there you go. Um, so, yeah, nice little connection there. Okay. The next story was Mama Africa by Jarla Tong, Tang, T-A-N-G-H. Okay, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Uh, if it were Mandarin Chinese, it would be pronounced Tong, but it wouldn't have the H at the end. So, uh, But anyway, the reason I bring up that Chinese thing isn't to just be like, oh, I speak Chinese. But because this was an interesting cross-cultural story about a half-Chinese, half-Tanzanian child. Uh, surprise, surprise, um, this... Uh, half black, half white guy who's married to a, a Chinese woman wanted to point out that he liked this story. But I did, I did like this story. I liked that. I liked that the, the, the writer, Jarla Tang, got the Mandarin correctly. Like she called the company in the book, the Feijo, whatever, whatever. But Feijo in, in Chinese means Africa. That's what they call Africa. Zhou generally means, um, well, can mean like a, uh, Oh no, it always means a continent. Yeah, so it always means a continent. And then um and then the 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 prefix in front, Feijo, they decided, you know, I've never actually it's one of those things, I've never actually looked up what that Fei means by itself. So yeah, different countries mean different things. But yeah, I'll have to look that I'll have to look that up. Um But anyway, she spelled it correctly and and uh you know, that seems like a minor thing, but there's just so many times where you read like pinyin and books and you're like, man, that is way off. Like, why do they spell it like that? Uh, never mind the people who still spell like Beijing, Peking or something like that. Nanjing, where I live, the Nanking. That was, it's been so long since we've stopped spelling things like that. Uh, anyway, so the plot of this book is, or excuse me, the plot of this story is about a scion who is half Chinese, half Tanzanian, and he's bonding with an AI w w whose name is Huiying. And, um, you know, to be completely honest, I, I really just enjoyed the setup and the concept of talking about that Chinese-African relationship because that's very much in the in the news, in the in the zeitgeist, in the public consciousness. So 
that's what I thought was really interesting about it. And, um, I thought that, you know, that could be a, there's, there's a lot to be, uh, to be mined there. So I looked up Jarla Tang on the internet. I'll be following her. And, you know, just as I did all these writers, all these writers who I mentioned out of the anthology, I looked them up and I'm going to be following their writing and supporting them. So uh, I'll be interested to see what other stuff she has and if it's, you know, cross-cultural and even if it's not, I'd like to see what she writes about. So yeah, that was cool. Uh, okay, on to the next one. The Siege at Ilan Morrow by Napoleon Wells. This was one of the more distinctive stories in the entire anthology. And there, it, along with the next story I'm about to talk about, um, you know, my main question with these, like, so I was talking about at the top about African futurism and Afrofuturism and uh, how some people have a draw a distinction between the two. And um, I believe the distinction is with Afrofuturism, it's more like... Uh, diaspora base i don't want to i don't want to give a definition that i can't remember but i feel like it's something like diaspora based space based and technology based and then the african futurism is all of those things but more specifically about the african continent and how technology interacts with the countries developing on the continent but i, I might be wrong about that but so this book or I keep saying book. This story is not really grounded in any of that and feels like less like sci-fi and more like, um, you know, venturing on fantasy. And then I looked up the writer, Napoleon Wells, and he said, you know, he's a big Star Wars fan. So then I was thinking, like, is it more supposed to be like in that, that space opera, you know, Star Wars kind of Dune um, world where like, I think everybody would say Dune is sci-fi, but like when you get down to it, you know, there's of course hard sci-fi. Like I just read a book by Greg Egan. Uh, I'm going to drop that because I really like Greg Egan and he's awesome. So anyway, permutation city. I think that's hard sci-fi with a lot of math in it. I think that's hard sci-fi with a lot of math in it but still hard sci-fi. And then there's like sci-fi that's like, you know, not hard, but like definitely just still like science-based with like a lot of leaps, you know, like maybe like the foundation series or something. Like, I don't think that, um, Isaac Asimov really like sat down and explained, uh, how <laughs> society just kept going and stuff. Um, but then there's this where I don't think that there was like any like science stuff in it whatsoever. And, uh, felt more fantastical to me, but regardless, I really liked it. So basically there's this guy, I believe doc, um, and he's like, kind of like the, the leader of a realm. And then one day a woman shows up on the doorstep like this, you know, it's not really a damsel in distress situation, just more like a, a mysterious traveler. And then she's being pursued by these pretty powerful beings, but like, they don't really know what's up. Like they've heard of Doc, but they don't really understand what it is. And then they find out. Um, and then there's more and I don't want to give anything else away. So we'll just leave it at that. But yeah, it was interesting because like, it didn't really feel like, it didn't not feel like sci-fi, but then when I was reflecting on it more, I was like, it doesn't necessarily feel like sci-fi, but um, I liked it and it stuck with me. So there you go. And the next story was similar, similar, The Walker's Alchemist by T.C. Morgan. Uh, I really want to find out who this T.C. Morgan is. I really liked this one a lot. 
and it's not it's i guess sci-fi but more in like the way that like steampunk is sci-fi or uh to once again go to the chinese thing the translator of three body problem ken leo he did a an anthology a couple years ago and i can't remember the name of it but in it he introduces the concept of uh chuan yue which is like time traveling stories that often have elements of um, sci-fi in them. So like it'll be set in like, you know, the Tang Dynasty like 1500 years ago, but they'll have like some version of the internet. And in this anthology, that's basically, there's a story like that. And that's kind of what this feels like. Well, first of all, alchemy is being practiced. So there you go. And uh, you go back and it's like, it's set in Morocco, I believe. I think it was Morocco. And, um, you know, alchemy is being practiced. So it's a long time ago. And so it feels like a, like a time traveling story. But then there's like nanorobots. So, um, yeah, I wasn't really sure it was sci-fi. But I really enjoyed the story here, which I don't think it's anything. Yeah, it's not giving anything away to tell the basic premise of the story is this guy who's like the state's executioner it's like his job basically it's not really but whatever he's in charge of the dead and the the whole dead thing has a certain um the rules of the world in this story are very specific for the dead he's in charge of them and he is able to manipulate a dead body the dead body of his wife he's able to manipulate it into he's able to reanimate it but when he does it's like a freaky friday situation and instead of his wife it ends up being an alchemist who is like basically a witch at this time and so um they have like a really tenuous relationship well one when you typically when you reanimate your dead wife you're hoping that when she wakes up in her body that she won't actually be a man um, who's an alchemist that would probably throw you for a loop. So there's that aspect of it. And I thought that was interesting too, from like the gender viewpoint and all of that. Um, also like the alchemist inside of her body starts to like, have to like, uh, deal with his, um, his body, you know, and it's like what it's urging him to do. So he's, he's grappling with that. And then he's also grappling with the guy who brought him back. Who's like, yo, like, uh, I don't like you. You're an alchemist, but also you're my wife's body. So yeah, I just really liked it. I thought it was a clever story. I liked the setting. I liked the backdrop and it was fun. Um, so yeah, I'll be looking at TC Morgan. Tried to find TC Morgan online. I'm not sure I found the right, the right TC Morgan. So I found uh, a TC Morgan on Amazon who sells self-published books, but that person hadn't linked themselves to this anthology but that doesn't necessarily mean it's not the same person but i don't know so if tc morgan hears this please please reach out because i really enjoyed your story and would like to read more and then so the last story that i really liked here was by milton j davis called playing the odds um there's one very simple reason why i like this well there's two uh one there's a badass like cyborg robot guy named Carlos who just you know to quote uh Jack Nicholson in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest because I fight too much and I fuck too much you know that's why he keeps going into the asylum that's basically Carlos he just doesn't really care about stuff uh not a bad dude but he wants enough money to just be able to like have a good time 
and he's like a mercenary detective type sort or whatever. And then there's a, a woman's sidekick character. And so they make a good odd couple type situation. And yeah, I, but really, I just like Carlos's hijinks. I like that he's like, he's human, but he's he's got like, you know, robot parts and stuff. And then he's got all the human. And he, it reminds me a lot of like Hellboy. He's kind of like Hellboy. Um, he's that kind of like, you know, good dude. Some vices, definitely a slave to his vices. And um, yeah, he tries to deal with it as best he can. But, you know, he's a slave to his vices. Uh, so yeah, that was a fun story and, um, kind of long. I think it's one of the longer stories in the collection. I think it's the last story in the collection as well. Uh, if not the last, it's the second to last story. So yeah. Um, but it was a good finish for me. Like that was my last story that I really liked. And I was like, oh yeah, this is good. Cause you know, when you're getting towards the end of the book, it's like, well, how many more good ones am I going to get? And, uh, actually, you know, there was... It's pretty well spread out throughout the book. So, yeah, I felt like basically every third story, I was like, oh, yeah, I like that. That's almost almost exactly what happened. Um, so, yeah, enjoyed that. And then I'll say about Milton J. Davis, I looked him up, and his Twitter handle is the Grio, like the West African storyteller, the Grio. But he got it just T-H-E-G-R-I-O-T. And damn, man, that's a great handle. You know, that's like Andre Godalo, the basketball player. He got, I think on Instagram or Twitter, his handle is just Andre. Like he's the only person who got it. And the Grio is a great, great fucking Twitter handle. So shout out to Milton J. Davis for that. I'm very jealous. Um, and shout out for a good story too. <laughs> I like the story. I love the Twitter handle. How about that? All right. That's going to do it. Uh, next week or two weeks from now, I'll be reading a book. It'll be fiction. I don't know what it is yet, but I'll definitely be talking about it. Might be Matt Johnson's book. I, I bought it, but I haven't read it yet. So maybe we'll do that. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll go ahead and say that now. I will read Matt Johnson's latest novel and talk about that. And yeah, so come back in two weeks and, and listen to me talk about uh, Matt Johnson's latest book. And let's see, the intro music and the outro music is by The Keep Running. So check him out. All of my stuff is in the show notes. Uh, things I've written, things I've talked about, my Twitter handle, etc. Uh, the name of the Matt Johnson book is Invisible Things, by the way. Invisible Things. So that's what we'll be talking about. And... What else? Please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Casts, SoundCloud. You know. And yeah, until next time, stay safe, stay black, and keep reading. And this time enough at last. That's not fair. That's not fair at all. There was time now. There was was all the time I needed. That's not fair. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs>